Hello everyone, I'm Dr. Darsh Shah. And I'm Dr. Ultima Shraja. And welcome to Medicine Redefined. A podcast where we will explore the often overlooked but necessary components of health, what we consider to be the fundamentals. We will investigate topics and practices that can give you and your patients the best chance to optimize a healthy lifestyle. It's time to move the needle forward and put the health back in healthcare. Welcome back to another Lessons Learned episode. In the past three episodes, we've had some amazing guests covering a wide variety of topics. In episode 51, Dr. Robin Tiger breaks down what it means to be stress-free and how we can become more stress-resilient. We followed that up with a discussion with Dr. Melissa Mandela and revisit the topic of lifestyle medicine across many cultures. Last but not least, Dr. Adil Khan joined us on the show to talk about regenerative medicine, a topic that keeps getting hotter and hotter. But of course, the listeners on this show know it as a better term of orthobiologics. And so it was really cool to speak with a fellow colleague and pick his brain uh, regarding how he practices sports medicine and learned a lot about orthobiologics, particularly for osteoarthritis and some of the uh, breaking insights into the field of regenerative medicine, I should say. Now, without further delay, please enjoy this Lessons Learned episode. All right, guys, welcome back. Dr. Darshan Shah, another Lessons Learned. Time to learn, man. What's going on? How you doing, buddy? Making it in there, chilling. I'm on my complex care rotation, so a lot more. Back to that intern year, man, a little bit, you know, doing a lot more internal medicine. I'm not, I'm not liking it too much, so <laughs> I like the clinic life better. Uh, what's complex about it? Is it just like a, you know, medical complexity type situation, or is it just yeah. high-level brain injury, spinal cord, like what? No, yeah, so it's more internal medicine patients. It's more like cancer, LBADs. Uh, it's more of the mm. complexity of medicine, more wound care, more ortho. Um so yeah, it's more of just general hodgepodge of patients that are medically complex, and then they come on to our service I now. enjoy, man, the, the medical complexity, like the transplant patients are very, yeah. very challenging. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's a world that we really didn't get to see much internier. I didn't, and so Same. it was it was a completely new learning experience for sure. Especially the so. rehab setting, man. It's tough because, you know, you're expecting stable patients. You're not drawing labs all the time, and, like, mm-hmm. these patients need it. All they need, you know them to be in rehab mm-hmm. they need the rehab but they also need that medical attention all the time so yeah, it's mm-hmm. definitely a balance between the two for sure man how how much more time will you be on that uh month and a half left and then i go back to brain injury to round off uh it's, second year so it's a two-month block yeah we do two-month rotations yeah wow that's yeah. intense that's a lot yeah. all right well yep. dude we had uh, a couple of awesome guests right oh, yeah. um and uh, a lot of learning to be done so um where do you want to start it off man Let's see so robin tiger was our first guest of this three three-part series here um awesome what a, what a gem of an episode you know um when i first kind of looked into her i was thinking okay you know this probably might just be like a generic episode on meditation burnout uh nothing that we really haven't seen before but then you bring her on and it's a lot more than that. I mean, she drew the perfect balance between the science behind burnout, spirituality, stress, yoga, breath work, alongside the art of all of those practices as well. And I think she really combined both of them perfectly. You know, I, I know this isn't one of your favorite books, but again, still working on the book switch, right? And they often mm-hmm. talk about leading the elephant and the rider in it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's exactly what she did a splendid job at, right? Feeding the left brain and diving into the autonomic nervous system and explaining that physiology a bit further, but also looking at and feeding the right brain, 
mm-hmm. and explaining how just the real life examples for her own personal story, which she talked about being complex case that nobody wants to be, but also some of the folks that were really close in her life, how they didn't end up making it on the other side, right? And how that affected her emotionally at a deep level. And also actually, I, mean, I think we were able to resonate with it because, you know, maybe not directly or maybe directly, you know, we've been able to see those types of cases in our life and, um, and, and that's impacted us, which is why we're so passionate about what we're doing. So I think that that's it for me, what, what made it special. Yeah, man. I think the fact that she was vulnerable enough to bring up her journey and the things that she's seen, right? I mean, she lost two very close colleagues, you know, one during her training. Um, and then I believe the other was kind of during her attending um, life, both lost a suicide overdoses, right? And we fail to recognize as a community how how often these things occur, you know, amongst healthcare professionals, especially physicians. We go in as a pre-med thinking we know how to, we, we know how we want to practice. We know the things we want. We understand there's going to be money that we want to make, but we never truly understand it until we're living in it. And then it's a complete shock. And I remember I was telling, you know, you guys in the episode about what I went through in January and I never felt burnout, never thought I'd get burnout always preaching about burnout. I mean, you follow me on Instagram. I talk about it a lot, uh, giving tips on how to how to get through it. But you really don't know until you're in it. And then you look back, and you're like, holy shit, what did I just go through? Um, and so to hear her and her journey and how, honestly, I think the biggest thing is how open she was to her own journey, right? Not closing it off, especially as a radiologist, right? I think um, being somebody in medicine who looks at things very objectively, I mean, that is anything but an objective experience of going through burnout and, and, and the paresthesias and the symptoms that she had. Yeah, I think that's, that's well said right there. Um, it's so subjective and the symptoms are so vast. And for her, it seems like she was hitting across all the uh, all the systems, right? Which makes it so mm-hmm. more, uh, much more challenging. You know, it, from a musculoskeletal standpoint, which is kind of what I'm subspecializing in now, sports medicine, a lot of times when somebody comes when well, pain is usually the chief complaint, right? Um, rarely that's not ever. And it's so complex that we've talked a little bit about, well, we talked quite a bit about. Um, and, and when it doesn't make sense, you always go down this diagnostic pathway. And I think that, again, you know, being in medicine when you're privileged and you see colleagues, they're more likely to pull the triggers and get the MRI and that kind of stuff. And she mentioned how orthopods were just getting MRIs of her knees and hips and ankles. And it's like, okay, coming back clean, coming back clean. And I, it reminds me back of what Dr. Amy Shaw talked about, a bit similar story with that respect, like all these labs were coming back and then they're completely normal and you're, you almost feel embarrassed, right? You almost feel guilty, like, oh man, I just wasted mm. my my colleague's time and I'm not, there's nothing wrong with my knee or nothing wrong with my hip or my, I don't have an elevated whatever count. Um, so I can only imagine how that must have felt and how challenging it was. I loved that she kept pushing though and mm-hmm. ultimately said that you know the one who was be able to make that diagnosis was her despite her husband being in medicine being so close to her but she was able to guard from him too which you know makes me just think that even i mean we're in this every single day right day in and day out we see these patients we take sometimes we take their pain other times we can't disconnect from their pain or their struggle whatever it is and even the ones closest to us, right? You kind of touched on this. Um, uh, 
we we tend to hide it from them. We keep the guard up from them just because I, I don't know at what point in our training we're taught that you just have to you just have to go through it. It's like self sabotage, right? I mean, it's why do we do it? <laughs> why don't we ever just ask for help? Why don't we? Why you know, let go of the ego, let go of our pride, um, and just say it's okay. You know, I know I'm out there taking care of people, but hey, sometimes I need my own cup filled from others. Um, so yeah, man, I totally, I totally agree with that. Well, you know what? I, I think it's a little bit more than that, though, right? I, I'll tell you what, what I think we routinely talk about that is, and even in that last year and a half that we've been doing this, I found myself um, f- having those feelings and going through those moments and felt a bit hypocritical. And and I think part of it is, sure, I think ego and, and just the perfectionistic concerns that you might, might have, you don't want to be short of those expectations of yourself. That's one aspect of it. The other aspect, though, when you're a resident or you're a trainee or something like that, and and if you if you stand up for yourself and you say, hey, listen, uh, you know, um, look, okay, let's just go back to your example of when you were um, in that rotation, right? Mm-hmm. I, I imagine you probably had a, a co-intern or a co-resident mm-hmm. or something like that, right? You were part of a team. And if you say, listen, I need a mental health day or I need that, that like that work is going to fall on somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that person's probably going to hate you, mm-hmm. right? And the, the resident's going to hate you. The attendant's going it, to, it's just, yeah. it's unfortunate. And I think that most people know that. Um, and then that's the reason that they, well, I, I shouldn't say most. I think sometimes I felt that and I don't want to do it. And and if it, if it wasn't like that you're, if you took the time off for yourself and if it didn't sabotage everybody else, I, th- I think yeah. more people would be inclined to do it. I know that's the case with me. Right. Oh yeah, totally. Right. If you take off as a doctor, who's going to, somebody has to cover your work. You know, that's regardless, right. attending, resident, whatever level you're at. It's not like working at a big corporation where you can take a day off. You work for a big team. All right, it's cool. You know, the work move goes on. Um, but you having your own individual patients, like this is why there's a shortage, right? I mean, we don't, we obviously cover too many. It's not like there's two doctors covering just that. Like I'm covering seven patients. It's not like two of us are covering seven, covering each other. Mm-hmm. So, it, you right. know, it's, it's, they give us more work than we can handle all the time. And so that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of where the, the lay of the land is. Yeah. What strategies? So, I mean, so I, I guess what we're touching on is this is a systemic issue that we talk about time and time again that needs to be addressed, right? In the interim, though, because we know change takes a lot of time, mm-hmm. she mentioned a bunch of strategies, right? D- does anything stick out for you that you're so much better at this than I am? What is it that you already do? What else did you pick up that you might start doing? Sure. Oh yeah. I definitely have started doing some of this stuff. So I think the biggest thing about Robin that I love is how open she is. So if you go to her, if anyone goes to her site, right, you're going to see meditation, life coaching, breath work, yoga, but that's not how it started. I mean, she was anti all those things. Um, but then she said, you know what, let me one day just try it. She felt a difference in her body, went to the literature, saw that there's actual scientific benefits behind all of those things and then routinely started it again. So for me, at least the advice that has helped meditation for sure, I think that just allows me to get perspective, right? Yesterday I had the case of the Sunday scaries being on a tough rotation, like we talked about, Mm -hmm. but then, you know, waking up this morning and being like, you know what, I'm going to sauna, I'm going to cold shower. It's going to wake me up. And then I'm going to realize like, I'm going to play my game. Like, you know, residency, you don't play your game. That's not your game. You're you're not playing against your you're not playing your strengths. You're playing your strengths and weaknesses, right? We are, quote unquote, somebody else's bi. You know what? Um, so, 
you have to go in with the mentality of how can I win the day? Like, how, how do I turn this day into my game? Right. And for me, that's working out, that's meditating, that's getting those things that I need to write the podcast, working on social media, all these things. If I can do that and I still have a crappy day at work, I still won the day um, because I at least played my game. One of the things that she talks about is breath work, right? And how we can stimulate our parasympathetics and calm down. And so something I've been incorporating daily now is pranayama yoga. And so if people want an app out there, it's called pranayama. Uh, it's a seven, you can do it for like seven minutes. It's just box breathing essentially. So I'll try to do this when I'm in the sauna or afterwards, but seven minutes a day is all it takes. And then I just bought the book breath by James Nestor and it's fire. It's really good right now. I'm like two chapters in. But just, you know, the first chapter is talking about nasal breathing and just like the amount of experiments and the science that shows behind how key your breath is in terms of longevity and health and depression, just so many key factors, right? That you go back ancient history, it was the breath. And, you know, as Kelly Starrett says, uh, the breath controls the brain, I believe, you know, so and the brain controls the body. So um, those are some of the strategies that I've just been using. I love that, man. Um how can I win the day? That's awesome. I think that for me, <laughs> what I'm taking about that, I'm just going to start my day and just now when you do that, do you plan about, well, do, do you strategize how you can win the day the night before or you wake up and you're like, how can I win the day today? What am I feeling? Dude, my mind's like ADD. Like if you ask Mira, she'd be like, dude, you're, you're thinking all the time. Uh, it's 24 seven for me. Like I'm thinking right now, like after this podcast, what do I do? Like, what am I doing? You know, it's constant. So it's, it's not fun. But it is at the same time because it helps me grow. So yeah, the night before I look at my day and I say, okay, I can go to the gym here and I can go to the gym here. Um, what are the contingency plans? If it doesn't work here, well, how do I use this time to do something else and then go here? But if I have to go here, what do I do? You know, so I'm constantly thinking in flowcharts almost and like trying to optimize as much as possible uh, for the day and seeing where can I fit these habits so that I can even have more room to chill out, grow, do whatever I need to do. So it's interesting that you say that, right? Because that goes, that's at odds with the thought that you want to be present in the moment. Like for instance, mm. I loved her analogy about the kid with a thought bubble and the sunshine and that's mm -hmm. what they're seeing. Whereas the adult has another 100,000 thoughts, right? Mm. If you're constantly thinking about how you can win forward, right? What the next mm -hmm. step is going to be, next step is going to be how are you enjoy, how are you how's your thought bubble reflecting looking at the screen looking at me i know i'm not very attractive but <laughs> you doubt yourself sir no um, <laughs> um yeah no that's it's a very good point right i get asked that all the time like if you're constantly thinking about the future how are you so i try to relate it back to the past as well so this is again super spiritual and meta um but i believe the past present and future are all connected right they're all living in the same timeline um so you know, when I listen to a podcast, I'm constantly thinking about how is that related to my life right now and in the moment. So I see my life in the moment as these three lives, the past, present and future kind of happening. And so it doesn't really make me anxious thinking about the future, like, oh, what am I going to do after this podcast? But I almost see it as a pattern and a cyclical pattern in a way. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's following right now. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Um, I'm following. Okay. But that's, that's kind of the way I think about it is like, how does that going to help me in the future? But also my meditations that I do, which are super present, you know, how does that allow me to expand my mind so that I have and that I'm able to have these thoughts and do this kind of mental roadmap? I like that 
you know, one of the ways that an insight that I, I had a long time ago, I remember, I'm not sure if I heard this somewhere or who I can give credit to, or if I came up with it in, in, in alternate mind of my, my own reality. But, um, you know, somebody said like, okay, when you're living life and you really don't have a good grasp on it, if you're not mindful, you're, you're living life through first person shooter action games, right? And th mm -hmm. those who played video games would know that when you get a sense of it, a grasp on that, you're all of a sudden playing a third person shoot or like action game, right? Mm -hmm. Another way that, that I look at it is even, I think when you really take a step apart, when you have this practice for years and years and years, it's almost like going to a play and watching it in from the audience, right? And so what you're kind of describing it to it's me like, is you yeah, can kind of, it's like one of those old school plays and you can see like the bad guys coming from the back and but the the main character cannot and you are the main character but you're yeah. watching it from there. That's um, exactly, that, that's exactly it, yeah. That's yeah, it. Yeah, I love that, man. That's exactly it. And like the way, you know, I love Gary Vee's principle and I talk about this all the time is that he believes in living life on both extremes. Like whatever you do, do it on both extremes because when you pull so hard, it's like stretching a rubber band, it, it, it snaps back into the middle and that's where you get that perfect balance. You know, mm -hmm. and it's kind of what Kelly Starrett talks about in terms of you're, you're constantly moving, you know, back and forth. You're never going to be mm -hmm. really in a in a straight middle. So enjoy that pendulum, but also push as hard as you can. Right. So it's like for me, I want to make the most money in the world. I want to be ambitious. I want to, you know, keep create that legacy. But at the same time, I'm going to die one day. Who the hell cares? You know, mm -hmm. I don't mind just sitting here, laying here, meditating and not doing anything. And I kind of have both of those perspectives. And I think that allows me to reach that balance. I love that, man. You know, the other thing I wanted to touch on is, you know, when we asked her about the great resignation, we've talked about this and we've asked several other guests, right? Because this is, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, this is contemporary issue and it's something that needs to be discussed a lot. And so we can avoid it from, you know, perseverating, but also from not happening again in the future pandemics, whatever they're going to be. Um, and she talked about, remaining calm in the chaos right and how a lot well a lot if not all of her clients were physicians who were part of that struggle and saying hey should i leave medicine should i stick around because emr and all that kind of stuff and that goes hand in hand when when we asked her about the question about healing the healers but the next generation of healers and you know sh she talked about really ex having these conversations with these practitioners and having them evaluate the why and really digging deeper and not just saying, okay, if I'm going to leave medicine, my problems are going to be solved because I, I don't know if that's always going to be the solution, right? So it's really about going back to your core why, which is kind of the central theme of every discussion that we essentially have. Um, and e even when I asked her about what she would tell the third grade Robin, she said, I would still tell her to go for it, but really with a different approach, right? I mean, so for some of the things that she'd done, yoga therapy, right? Thousand hours there, life coaching, something that you're passionate about, maybe it's in your future. Um, and I also loved her analogy of how she described, you know, life coaching versus, uh, what was the other one? You know, she gave, uh, it was, um, maybe CBT, maybe a psychologist kind of brings you back to, to, you know, like a rehab specialist brings you back to baseline. The life coach kind of takes you forward. Mm. I thought that was, that was really unique. Is, Have you given yeah. more thought to that? Is that something you want to continue doing or is that life coaching? Like yeah. I do. You know, I, I was just talking about talking to Mira about this today, actually. Um, you know, is it worth pursuing an actual cert, cert, certificate or 
is it something that you can kind of just do, right? And it's both, it's hand in hand. Um, but I would like to get at least a little bit more formal education because I think there it is worth it in some ways, right? Actually learning psychology and learning motivational interviewing and certain topics that I think that can just help. But, you know, spoiler alert, we're bringing, you know, Ben on in a, in a couple weeks here. Um, we talk about it. He does life coaching. He never got a certificate because he was like, dude, I lived life. Like my life is tragic enough to where I've gone through stuff um, for people to relate. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. I think for me, it's kind of be going to the flow. And if it's something that I'm like, yeah, why not kind of want to learn this, then I might do it. But I feel like I already do some of it a little bit, at least in terms of giving perspective. So it's more about now just how do I put that in stone and define that by certain principles. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I think, uh, overall an amazing episode. I really enjoyed it learning about her journey. Um, and uh, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the tremendous, um, you know, it's just free resources that she offers. So her website's mm -hmm. a stress-free MD. You guys can Google her. She's got a podcast. She's got a lot of free resources. She also does one-on-one -on -one coaching um, with folks. And uh, she's got a great demeanor. Uh, and just she was extremely approachable, extremely personable. Um, and, um, you know, I highly recommend that you guys check her out for sure. 100%. Yeah. Cool. All right. All into our next guest, who was uh, Dr. Melissa Mandala, who is the wife of our former guest of ours, uh, Dr. Micah Yu. So this was also an interesting episode. Um, you know, she also does lifestyle medicine like her husband, uh, but she does primary care. And I think she did some psychiatry kind of certifications uh, along the way too. What did you take away, if anything? No, I, the direct primary care model is fascinating, right? You know, I, uh, I, so this was, this was you solo. I actually didn't look into the direct, like, so I think direct access for physical therapy is one thing, direct primary care. Um, I don't know. Did you end up asking her about that? It's like most of her clients are reaching out to her and setting up through just reaching out on themselves or are they uh, being, you know, um, are they consultations from referrals from other places? Like what did that mean exactly? I think they're reaching out to her. So if you go on her website, like Dr. Lifestyle Clinic, it's more, so she does subscription packages. So you can be like a gold member, a VIP, and that just means you get different like privileges, you know, for different prices, right. uh, 24 seven access versus this many visits, but people are mainly reaching out to them um, just because her social media presence, uh, as well as, you know, her husband and both of them kind of teamed up together. Yeah, I, I love the the reframing of the perspective, right? I mean, she talked about, um, you know, everybody's, again, I, I've mentioned this before, how, how fascinating I find people's different journeys about what was the inception for this pivot in trajectory. I mean, the last person that comes to mind uh, is Raghav, who came and talked about that, how there wasn't one pivotal moment, but it was really okay. You know, his endocrinologist just nudging, 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 and eventually be like, okay, get your ish together, dude. Um, and then something just snapped, right? Just on off switch. I kind of got the sense that it was similar for her, although she was having some some medical stuff for herself. And she was like, this isn't making sense. This isn't making sense. And all of a sudden she was like, okay, I need to figure it out. Um, I thought that was pretty cool overall. Yeah, she had a IBD, right? So she was having some like bowel symptoms. Um, just like throughout college. And she, you know, talks about living, you know, living the fast life and whatnot. Grew up, she says, quote, like carnivore. So she was eating a lot of meat. Um, but then she was like, hmm, something's not really working here and then met Micah, and then Micah tried the whole plant-based option, kind of convinced her to start, and then she did, and she started seeing her symptoms kind of get better. Now she's fully plant-based as well. So yeah, it's always <clears throat> something 
uh, that that triggers us to kind of try something new and be like, oh, okay, this is this is starting to work. Um, so that's yeah, that was kind of her story. Well, I think for for what's cool about them is they are uh, a unit, right? So I think that when we talk a lot about instilling these change and these habits that 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 you were bringing up um, earlier on. It's much easier to do it when you have an accountability partner, right? If that's mm-hmm. your spouse that you're also working with, and you've got this lifestyle medicine just clinic with, essentially, um, I, I think it just overall overarching. It just feeds into the brand, and I think that makes it a bit more um, feasible to carry those healthy habits, that healthy lifestyle, for no pun yeah. intended, into into your home life and integrate that back into your work life, and you're kind of just you know living what you're preaching. So I, I think that makes it really, really cool. Um, Dude, I hundred yeah, percent think, uh, I, account- I think accountability is like the biggest driver for habit change. Like more than anything, I think more than discipline with a will, like if you have somebody who's holding you accountable or you like post something on social media and you're like, I'm going to be running a marathon in two months. Like there's nothing better than the fear of embarrassment or not doing something or feeling like you're the anchor holding everyone down. I think that's like the biggest driver. So I've always said like, I want to create like an accountability, like uh, WhatsApp or like a discord for like students and stuff to actually who like want change and to like post things. I know there's apps out there, but the problem with apps is like, you don't know these people, right? Like accountability really matters with people who can hold you accountable. Um, but I think, mm. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that, but I think it's a, it's probably the biggest driver. Well, so let me ask you that, right? How how is social media different? Like you've got somewhere in, in the neighborhood or several thousand followers. Mm-hmm. I, I know you, you do your best to get to know all your followers really well, but there might be people following you who you don't have a personal connection with, you haven't had it. Do you count them as people who are holding you accountable when you do that? No. So I guess like for me personally, I've never been like, I my goal is this on social media. Like I don't think I need accountability and I'm not saying that because like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm great and all, but like I've, very, I've been very motivated by my own kind of virtues and things like that. But I think for a lot of people who just like need a head start, I think accountability is perfect. You know, I just don't, I think a lot of people are afraid to put things on social media because one, they're afraid of meeting that goal. And then two, a lot of people are just afraid to change, right? I think there's this concept of when you change for the better, people think that, oh, now you have to live this hard life, right? But they don't realize that in order to get to that goal, it's going to take small change anyways, to the point where you're just gonna be living that life forever. Excuse me. It's the reason why I'm not a fan of like people who cut and they like within a month lose like 10% body fat. It's like, that's not sustainable. Like you're going to bounce that right back up. Like you need to take it slow. Like you need sustainable change over and over and over to the point where that is now your lifestyle. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think psychologically, a lot of people are are afraid of accountability because they want, don't want to, um, let other people down. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I do agree. I think that it is a, an extremely effective tactic when you are trying to make change and um, bringing it back to, to Melissa's point of view and her whole perspective from a lifestyle medicine approach. I mean, that's that's the most um, effective thing, right? Uh, is instilling good habit change from these pillars of lifestyle medicine, which is what they focus on now. And um, just to quickly recap for those who don't remember, I mean, so you've got, um, you know, a plant forward lifestyle, right? Plant predominant, mm-hmm. plant based, however you call it. Um, and I think that it's important to make the distinction that the pillar doesn't necessarily, although people might practice, I think she is primarily vegetarian. Um, that's not what the pillar is saying. We just need to incorporate more vegetables, which is a central theme. I think there's no denying that. Okay. I was going to say, is the pillar right? actually plant though? I thought it was just nutrition. It's just that most, I think it's just nutrition, but then most lifestyle practitioners are plant forward or, you know, 
Well, no, I think the American College of Lifestyle Medicine recommends a plant predominant diet. Really? I did not. Yeah, it's officially the recommendation. I'm pretty confident about that. Um, We can totally do uh well why don't you why why don't you tell us the rest five while i google Google this search really quickly (laughs) all right so we got plan forward we got exercise we got stress resilience um we got sleep and then we got uh risky behavior substance abuse things like that yeah avoiding i I think substance abuse yeah avoiding substances Uh, I am not doing this as fast as I thought I would. Uh, <laughs> it's all right. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll move forward. Um, yeah, let's we'll come back uh, to let's it. talk. Yeah, we'll come back to it while while we talk about our last but not least uh, our our guest from across the border, uh, Dr. Yeah. Adil Khan, um, a uh, a South Asian colleague, a, a Desi like us. <laughs> That's right, Adi Khan. Yeah, man. So another episode on orthobiologics, PRP. Uh, touch it on sports medicine as well as, you know, fitness and weightlifting, <clears throat> which he's passionate about. Uh, you know, the last time we had a talk on orthobiologics was with Dr. Malenga episode 12. So if people really want an in-depth uh, analysis on that, they can check out that episode as well. Um, what did you take away? Cause I know this is, this, this hits closer to home for you than, than, than it does to me. Yeah. I think uh, this concept of cider rich PRP that they use um, I think is really, really cool. Um, we don't, you know, the terminology tends to be a little bit different, which is why I wanted him to kind of expand on that a little bit more. And um, the closest thing, the analogous one is what he described is the folks over Regenix folks that are using like platelet lysate, and they're kind of actually mechanically um, lysing or, or manipulating the platelets um, to augment them, you know, for, for lack of a better word. And um, it's not, I, I don't think it's the overwhelming practice or the, 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 the current practice in the States. Um, but you know, I'm not as familiar with the, the rest of the folks in Canada. It seems like they're few and far between the people who are actually doing it, uh, relative to the States, you know, they'll would argue that, um, still, uh, there are a lot of people who are maybe not doing it the right way. Uh, but I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I, you know, it, it is a very, very challenging space to be in, right? I think when the PRP, the literature has gotten to be stronger and stronger every single day, particularly with osteoarthritis, like we have multiple level one studies to support that. Um, But still, if you actually look at those studies, um, as he brought up time and time again, like the definition of PRP is so vast, like what does that even mean? And then there is very poor regulation in how people are creating their PRPs. Um, and so it's hard to say, you know, always, and this is an, a, a point exclusive to, to him or this episode, Dr. Malenga talked about this too, is whether or not it worked or didn't work. Cause if it worked, I'm not really sure what worked. And if it didn't work, I'm also not sure what really worked. So yeah. standardization is the central theme of everybody who does orthobiologics and actually cares about progressing the field. Um, and yeah, so I, I couldn't agree more with that. Let me ask you this. What's the one thing, you know, when you think about PRP and orthobiologics that you wish for? Like, what's the one thing that you wish when you think about the topic, you're like, you know, I wish that. Wow. Uh, you're putting me on the spot. That's a tough <laughs> one. I, I, I think that it goes hand in hand with standardization. I think we need to be clear and cautious with our message, mm. both when you're communicating with patients, but also with our colleagues and practitioners and everything. You know what I mean? Is what are we exactly saying? Do you have do you have patients coming up to you asking about like PRP? I mean, how much 
are yeah, patients all understanding this? Yeah. They just hear it kind of from their own research and stuff come to you. Yeah. You know, a lot of it is a referral base thing as okay. well. Uh, it's because we've established a pretty robust practice doing that. But yeah, you do have pe- people who will Google it and they'll see good things and they'll also see not so good things. But um, I love it, man. That that actually makes it really, really easy when patients come in informed about that. That makes life a lot easier. Um, w- earlier in the days, I think, maybe four or five years ago, patients would come in and they would see all kinds of nonsensical stuff. I think now the good information or the better information, I say, should say, is a bit more um, easier to access. So patients actually come in and, and they're, I, I find this is just anecdotal that over the last six months or so, I found that patients are coming and they're saying things. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. What you're saying. And before I'd yeah. be like, where, where the hell did you, did you read that? <laughs> don't, don't go there again. Um, so yeah, that's always good. That's sick, man. I'm excited to learn more about it. So we do more of it with our sports medicine, uh, rotation. So next year mm-hmm. we don't really do much of it, you know, in the PM and R realm, uh, here at Penn state. So I feel like once you're closer to it is where you really start to learn and hone in and, you know, give your own opinions and stuff that where, wherever you can. So, um, yeah, yeah. Nice, man. Cool. I think, you know, the, the, the next thing that, uh, deal really delved into that we talked about were kind of just labs and also just looking at into fitness and weightlifting. I mean, that guy's obviously throwing weight, you know, he was a trainer in the past. Um, but his, his whole Instagram's just throwing like 120 pound dumbbells <laughs> just around the gym. Um, so he, he's all about building muscle. Um, and he's all about muscle being the uh, that organ system that can really protect you, as he says, um, is the body's armor and protects you from a host of diseases because we know, you know, there's cytokines, right, which are the inflammatory kind of substances that help um, out with regu- with regulation. But there's also myokines now that we know about, um, and something he's excited about, as I think all three of us are, is kind of the research coming out about muscle as an organ system and not only just its role with inflammation, but also its role in almost everything, right? Like insulin regulation, uh, testosterone, longevity, you name it. It's, it's, it's getting up there. Yeah. He's someone who walks the walk, right? And I think that's Mm -hmm. so important. Again, you do a spectacular job at that. And and I, I know you at a personal level and I think some people who just peripherally follow you on social media, see you posting a lot and whatnot. And they wonder, you know, I think that that's the case with anybody who's posting. If, if that, that's the life that they live. And it really is impressive because you do you, that is the life that you live and a deal is a similar person. And, um, and I, I think that, again, this goes back to what we we're talking about Melissa and, and, and Micah, them as being couple is when that's the life that you live, it's so much easier to have that conversation because it integrates into your practice and it's seamless, you know, uh, for me, it's more challenging to talk about meditation because I don't do it as much. Mm. I did at one time. Mm. I had yeah. an amazing six months. I'd love to get back to it. Um, but uh, whereas exercise comes, you know, much easier to me and that kind of stuff. Um, and and I think and that's super super important. And um, when you do that and you let your but so that's one point. And the other point that I should say is the credibility piece of it, right? So he trains high level, mm-hmm. you know, uh, elite like elite top 1% athletes, bodybuilders, Olympic athletes, and that kind of stuff. And he's been on several podcasts uh, of just these, you know, national and and world level competitive bodybuilders. And I think that it's instant attraction and they'll go to that. um, And and they just say, Hey, look, you're speaking the same language. um, And therefore like that's a therapeutic alliance piece of it. Right. Mm -hmm. That Dan Pope talked about a long time. It's easier to get that. 
Yeah, it's funny, Doctor Doctor Blade, you know, the our PMNR mm. colleague over there is freaking jacked. Uh, put up a post last week about like, hey, do you guys? Is it easier to like follow the advice of somebody who walks the walk, right? Like from a doctor who is fit and eats healthy and does these things. Like every, you know, he gets a lot of comments. Every single comment was like, yeah, absolutely, of course, of course, of course, right? Like these are lay people telling you, telling doctors out there that I will agree with you or probably see you if you walk the walk. Like what other feedback do people need? You know, especially our colleagues like that want to get in shape, that want to attract more patients, that want to have more influence, like right there that's that's probably the best way to start right now the flip side of it and one could argue that you know if you look like you walk the walk but don't necessarily walk the walk you're True. still more likely to get more buy-in right and i think that's um i think about what um uh was it dr art who came back way way back in the archives and, and talked about yeah. how you know these I think maybe it might have been Dave Ote coming on talking about how, you know, just because some trainer doesn't look absolutely shredded and whatnot, um, they, and they could be the most intelligent, uh, the most successful, you know, the one with the best outcomes in their athletes, uh, and they might not get the buy-in. I always think about, like, Bill Belichick doesn't look like the greatest football player of all time. Right. I, I, I'm pretty sure he played high, football at a high yeah. level. Yeah, he played college, yeah. I think. <clears throat> college, right? But... Yeah. But there's, I, I mean, there's very little question that he's the greatest coach of all time. That that goes the same with Greg Popovich, who is now right. the most winningest coach of all time in the NBA. Yeah. But I don't know if Greg Popovich is the the, the greatest basketball. You know, so uh, on the flip side, there could be lots of like, okay, let's take Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan's amazing, right? Yeah. I, I don't know if Michael Jordan would make a fantastic coach. If anybody no has questions about that, you should watch The Last Dance. I'm not really no sure. Way. I want my, <laughs> no Michael way. Jordan coaching me. Um, so I, I think we also have to be cognizant of that, that it doesn't preclude you. But I, I, I can right. see the point that I, I do think that, that it does make it um, a bit easier. Um, at the very least, I think about uh, a cardiology, not rotation, actually. I was in medical school. No, no, I was, this was an undergrad. So pre-med shadowing, I remember shadowing a cardiologist who uh, was probably about 100 pounds overweight. Um I don't know. He had to have, again, I'm, I'm judging. And, but I, I, the point that I'm trying to make is I remember him smoking in the uh, parking lot during lunch, coming in and just having chicken wigs and just having sauce in his hands, barely cleaning it up and walking into a room and then having a conversation with the patient, how this is a cardiology visit, how they should stop smoking. And I just stood there and it's I was amazing. just like, I don't understand. I almost felt an obligation to interject and to say that this is inappropriate. Um, it's, <laughs> But you know, I was, uh, uh, it's just, I don't know. I was like that's, 20 years oh, old, 21 man. years old. Yeah. But, uh, I, so, so that's not gonna cut it either. Right. And so, um, yeah. Oh, that's too funny. That's too funny. It happens though. It's real. Oh life. yeah. That's absolutely, absolutely real life. Yeah. Damn man. Well, any last thoughts? No, I'm hoping you, you have a better, that, that was a bit of a somber note, uh, but overall, I think, I think uh, the message um, is that, you know, I think we're, we're, we're heading in the right direction. I know that at the inception of the podcast, there's, there's a lot of room for us to grow. There are a lot of things that need to be fixed, but there are a lot of awesome things happening. Uh, I mean, just, just the fact that we get a lot of great guests who come on here and, and they're not, some are really far ahead of us who are paving the way and, and are pioneers. And others are just a few years ahead of us and just also trying to figure it out. But I think that 
collectively we all have to kind of get on board and kind of help steer this ship as you said on a previous episode and so um, i'm excited man it it's, feels like the tide is turning uh, yeah. and i'm just excited to be a part of it absolutely man speaking of cardiologists we got some fire cardiologists coming up so for those oh, yeah. of you listening stay tuned got some great episodes coming up so right cool. on all right man i'll see you later see you bud Thank you so much for tuning into another Lessons Learned episode. Darsh and I are incredibly appreciative of your support, and we welcome any feedback that you might have regarding what you're enjoying and even tell us what you're not enjoying, things that we can possibly improve on. Maybe some guest recommendations, or if any questions or concerns come up, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us via social media on all the usual suspects. Our handle is MedRedefined. You can also email us at MedRedefined at gmail.com. I promise you, we will check it. We'll do our best to get back to you. Um, and just, you know, drop in and say hello. Um, we are incredibly honored and enjoy doing this and hearing from you would only make this process more enjoyable if you find the show valuable please be sure to review give us a five-star rating because that tremendously helps our show and makes this platform grow for us so we can reach out to more people like you last but not least please remember the important disclaimer that everything in the podcast is for educational purposes only it does not constitute the practice of medicine nor should it be construed as medical advice no physician-patient relationship is formed and anything discussed in the podcast does not represent the views of our employers. We recommend that you seek the guidance of your personal physician or health coach regarding any specific health-related issues. However, as I mentioned, if you enjoyed the show, please be sure to subscribe, review, and share with anyone who you think will gain value from this. And until next time, thank you for listening.